Good morning, everybody. Welcome to our very special edition of the Developabilities Podcast for episode for today. My name is Eric Stoker, and I'm the Information Specialist for the Utah Developmental Displays Council. I got a great show for you today. So, so some of you haven't heard, but for those of you who have, the Autism After 21 Utah report has just been released, and I am really excited to talk to Samuko Martinez about it, and she is going to tell us a little bit more about this amazing report. So, Samuko, thank you so much for being a part of our podcast. We really appreciate it today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. It's my pleasure. So why don't you tell the viewers at home a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so my name's Sumiko. Um, I grew up in Massachusetts and moved to Utah when I was a teenager, 20-something years ago. Um, and, you know, I love this. I always say Utah's a weird state, but I love it. Um, so it's been really exciting to be able to work on this project and get to know um, get to know a community here in Utah that I haven't really gotten to know real well before. Um, I live in Sandy with my husband, and we've got twin five year olds and a couple of motorcycles, and that's me. That's awesome. So tell us a little bit about the Madison House Autism Foundation a little bit. Yeah, so Madison House Autism Foundation is one of relatively few organizations focused on supporting autistic adults after age 21. So our mission is to promote, model, and advocate for the full inclusion of autistic adults and their families in the life of our communities, and to expand choice and opportunity, particularly in housing, employment, and social participation. So under that mission, we focus on providing resources and building collaborations with partners to help build inclusion strategies. Um, and our Utah pilot project is one of these collaboration projects. Um, so I'd love to tell you a little bit about the project. Okay, so we've got this major pilot project in Utah. And what we're doing is testing out a process that states can use to help build more inclusive communities. So. We're working with autistic self-advocates, with family members, with community leaders and businesses, um, policymakers, and basically anybody who wants to get in this boat with us um, to collect data on everything about community life from housing needs and barriers to employment challenges, um, beliefs about the autism community here in Utah, current inclusion practices so we know, you know what's going well and then taking that data and bringing it to local leaders uh, at a series of meetings around the state to create and implement locally tailored strategies for inclusion, depending on what each community really needs and wants. So we're gonna be working with a network of organizations to track the positive outcomes from these strategies and then put together a first of its kind kind of roadmap for other states to use. So if they wanna do this process, they can go for it. So it's a really huge groundbreaking project and will hopefully be a positive influence and a positive uh, impact for millions of people. I hope, I hope it is too, Smiku. So my next question is, what is the most interesting thing you discovered while you were doing this research, while you were conducting this? What was the most interesting thing you discovered? Oh, that's such a tough question to ask a researcher. <laughs> um, I think for me, so my academic background is in qualitative research and so for me the most interesting part is always just hearing people's stories um everybody who was interviewed for this project had such vastly different lives and experiences and it was such a gift to be 
allowed into that space of experiential and emotional sharing. Um, and it was a really emotional um, thing for me. I tend to be somebody who, you know, cries very easily. So some of some of the interviews, you know, and, and and I'm also a person who cries about happy stuff as well as sad stuff. So, you know, I'd be conducting an interview and somebody would be sharing a story about how they had succeeded. Um, you know, one person was sharing a story about how martial arts training had changed his life and had positively impacted his mental health and how being able to access that recreational, like an autism friendly recreational opportunity had been just an absolute game changer for him. And, you know, I'm practicing all my don't cry during an interview techniques uh, because I was just so happy and um, moved to hear about the good things that were happening. Um, and then on the flip side, you know, the the gift of people sharing their pain with me as well, you know, it was um, it was just really, really moving. And some people, I interviewed one person who was diagnosed in her mid-30s. Um, and then sh shortly after she was diagnosed, she had a baby. And just her experience of autism and motherhood and sensory sensory burnout and an infant and just all of the um man like all of the stuff that life can throw at you it was really really it was just a, a huge privilege for people to share that and i i was fascinated by all of it um and also really moved i'm getting all teary-eyed now just thinking about it <laughs> okay <Yeah. laughs> So my next question is, um, how can advocates use this information to improve community access for adults with autism and other developmental disabilities? Mm, that is an excellent question. So this is what we are really excited about, right? Is actually taking data and improving lives. So data is often that first step in creating change. So policymakers and other leaders often need data in order to be able to take something seriously. And so we hope that advocates will use the data from this report to make a case for change in their communities, um, reach out to local representatives and make a strong case by quoting the numbers. Um, there's also some inclusion toolkits for different audiences um, as sort of an appendix to the report. And they're also available for download on the website. And there are things like, you know, if you're organizing a community event or if you're a business leader, um, you know, how can you how can you make changes within your own sphere of influence that will help to bring about a more neuroinclusive community? So we would love it if people use those toolkits. We would also love it if people share those toolkits. You know, if you find it valuable, um, pass it on. There's even a toolkit in there for um, conversation, you know, dialogue, um, just that anybody can use to be more, um, be more aware of, you know, some neurotypical tendencies for dialogue and be more intentional in uh, not projecting <laughs> neurotypical assumptions on everyone without, uh, you know, without questioning those assumptions. That's awesome. So my next question is, when you did this report, did you have self-advocates come and be interviewed for the, this report or did you have them fill out a survey? I'm just curious. We did both, actually. So this is a mixed methods study. Um, 
we sent out an anonymous online survey through community partners who forward it to self-advocates and family members within their networks. And we also gave the opportunity for in-person and online interviews. Um, both interviews and the surveys, of course, were completely voluntary. Uh, and we also made sure that our interviews completed training in trauma-informed interviewing. Um, surveys are great for getting general numbers and statistics, but interviews can add more representation from advocates about what's behind the numbers, you know, the nuance, the detail, and the actual lived experience is, is irreplaceable. And so a lot of quotes from the interviews are included throughout the report to really highlight and amplify uh, autistic voices. That's awesome. So my next question is, how are you going to pass out this report to you and your team created to the disability community and to families as well? How are you going to pass it out? Yes. So the report is already published on our website at madisonhouseautism.org. And we shared it on our social media pages. It's free. It's available to anyone for download. Um, we're also sharing it in our monthly project newsletter. So if uh, if you want to sign up for the newsletter to stay informed about the project and further updates as we start rolling into the you know strategy sessions and the implementation, you can find a link to sign up for that at madisonhouseautism.org slash projects slash Utah. Awesome. So is there anything else you want people to know about this report? Yes. Um, so this report is, it's the big first step in a larger project. So as we already talked about, we're going to be using this information to set up strategy discussions with local leaders and advocates in each region. And it will be really exciting to see what kind of strategies um, each local community comes up with. And then we'll work with those partners across the state to keep track of what's going well, what's not going well, you know, <laughs> what can we learn from? Um, and then and then just get that data out there where people can put it to good work. And so in the meantime, um, we hope that anybody who wants to will use this data and the toolkits in the report to start educating themselves and making changes in their communities today. So we're really, really excited about working together with Utahns to build stronger, more inclusive communities. That's awesome. Well, Smokey, thank you so much for being a part of our podcast today. We really appreciate it today. Thank you, Eric. I appreciate it. It's been so nice talking with you. Nice talking with you as well. So just a reminder, viewers, if you have a self-advocate or anyone who you're interest, want to, interested in hearing on our podcast episode or have a place you want to come and talk to, come, please feel free to email me at eastoker at utah.gov, and we'll be happy to put them on the next podcast. So thanks so much for listening, everybody, and have a great day. Mm -hmm.